Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about, about myself and about my background. I really hope that it'll help you to understand where I'm coming from and help you to get to know me a little bit more so that we can build this relationship on the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast and in the Diabetes Psychologist community. I want to get started by letting you know about my diagnosis with type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 1999. I was at the end of my junior year of college, and I was at UCLA, and I got really sick. I, it was a busy, a, bit, a busy quarter for me. I was um, I had run for student government that quarter, didn't win, but I had run. I had, was taking a full load of classes and, and had all kinds of things going on. And I honestly don't know how long I was sick for before my diagnosis. It must have been a couple of months, but I remember just for the for. Um, for the last couple of months of the quarter, just feeling really awful, you know, getting up in the middle of the night, going to the bathroom, having to leave class in the middle of class to go and get a drink of water, and just feeling overall lousy. And But the problem was, I was planning to go to France for the summer. I had been studying French for a long time, and it was my dream to go to France uh, and live there for a summer. And I finally had the opportunity, and then I got sick. And I was terrified. I was terrified that if I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with whatever was going on with me, but the doctor would tell me that I couldn't go to France. And so I put off going to, going to the doctor for as long as possible. Uh, finally, I, I came home one weekend. I, I'm from San Diego, where I live now. And I came home for the weekend, for Memorial Day weekend. And my mom saw me and she said, you're not doing so well. She's a nurse and she was worried about me. But I, I blew it off, told her I was doing just fine. I remember I went to try to go for a run that weekend on the beach, which is one of my favorite things to do. And I probably made it about 100 yards and I just couldn't go any further. I, and I was just, I was drinking all weekend, drinking, not, not alcohol, drinking uh, lemonade and Coke and just trying to do whatever I could to quench my thirst. I took the train back to L.A., and the next day, I tried walking to class, and I just couldn't make it. And I said, I have to do something. So I went to the doctor. I went to the student health center, and they checked my blood sugar. And on the meter, it said high. And I was like, oh, that's no big deal. You know, high, medium, low. How, how high could high be? And the doctor is frantically trying to find in, his, uh, in, in the manual for the meter what high means turns out it's over 600 on that meter um, and he kind of shoved me in the chair and like don't move so they called an ambulance and the ambulance came the only problem was is there was no driveway at the student health center so the ambulance had to park way across the quad and so they put me in a gurney and they had to wheel me all the way across the quad in front of the entire school it was really embarrassing anyway went to the hospital and that's where they diagnosed me with type 1 diabetes but they sent me home that night. Uh, went home, had some dinner, went to bed, and got up the next morning and went to the doctor. And that was um, probably one of the best experiences of my diagnosis because the doctor spent 
I don't know, two or three hours with me, you know, kind of getting me situated, answering all my questions. And at the very end of our appointment, she says to me, any other questions for me? And I timidly said to her, well, I'm planning to go to France next, in in two weeks. Um, Any chance I can still go? And her response, she looked at me and she looked at me like I was a little crazy. And she's like, of course you can go. And so I ended up going to France for three months, two weeks after my diagnosis. And looking back on that, that was a scary experience, I'll tell you, because I had no clue what I was doing. I remember there was one time I was I went I went low, and I was didn't have any glucose on me. I wasn't I didn't quite know that I needed to do that all the time. So I went low, and I but I found a soda machine, and this is back in the day before the euro, and they had francs, and I didn't know how to count money. I didn't know what coins were what, and so I was trying to buy a soda um, with these coins I didn't really understand. Anyway, it worked out okay. I, I came back and I was I, I I survived, and I emailed my doctor on a regular basis while I was there, and she helped me kind of figure out all my blood sugar issues. But I have to say that her response to me was so empowering and it made me feel so confident in my ability to live my life flexibly with diabetes and not let diabetes get in the way for me. And that has really been that that was really instrumental in helping me to move forward after my diagnosis and and hopefully live a, live a full life and also to be able to provide support to people who are having trouble. And that's why on this podcast, I always ask people what their diagnosis story was because hearing someone's diagnosis story almost always gives me a window into their experience with diabetes now. You know, I hear so many stories about people who were scolded or they were they were just terrified and they were told their life's going to change. And guess what happens when you're diagnosed with diabetes and you say your life is fundamentally changed, you can't do this, this or that. Well, then you start to believe it. That's the mindset that you go into diabetes with. If you're told a diagnosis that you can do whatever you want to do with, di- with diabetes, that's the mindset that you, that you take. It's challenging to change that mindset once it's set, but not impossible by any means, but certainly challenging. People's diagnosis story gives us a really clear window into their experience with diabetes. But at the same time, like I, I don't want to make make it sound like my diagnosis was all roses. It was it was actually really scary. And for the first year or so, I really I felt really unsteady on my feet. Um, yes, I knew I could do what I wanted to do, but I also didn't quite know how to manage this diabetes thing that I had. And it was it was scary. It, it was really scary, and I was really worried about how it might affect my future. How would it affect my life? How would it affect dating? How it, how would it affect uh, my ability to get a job and be able to succeed at a job? And those. Those were all things that were on my mind. And I was looking for support in that process, and I didn't have any. This is before the days of social media, so support wasn't as readily available, and you really had to go out and look for it. And this is all at a time when the only support that I could really find was support groups. And you know, I have I have feelings about support groups. You know, you think you think about these these places where. You go and you sit around a table and you talk about how hard diabetes is and you pat each other on the back. And that's just not really what I wanted. So I was really looking for support and I I couldn't find it. Every once in a while, I would meet somebody on the street. I would see see an insulin pump or see someone checking their blood sugar. And it would be like that unicorn. Um, oh my gosh, you know, this, this person, this person gets me, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't really there. And I really was looking for resources and I couldn't find them. 
I really felt the need and a desire to develop that kind of support system for myself, but also for other people with diabetes. That was important to me. So I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school to become a psychologist and focus on people with diabetes. That was my goal from early on. It took me a little while, ways to get there in a lot of roundabout ways, but it really came from that desire to get what I felt that I needed and what I know other people need as well. So I went to grad school. Um, I got my master's degree at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in California. And then I went off to the George Washington University and got my PhD in psychology and health psychology. My grad school experience was, was great. I was able to shape it in the way that I wanted to so that I could focus my research, at least, on diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, although the work that I do now is really focused on type 1. But I have to say that I, I learned psychology, I learned how to be a good therapist, and I learned about diabetes kind of. There weren't a lot of people at that time doing this, and so I kind of had to, had to carve my own path. I also learned about trauma therapy, and that was kind of done by accident. When I, in one of my internships, I got assigned to working in a trauma clinic, and I at first I was dreading this. I was like, this is not what I want to be doing. I want to be doing health psychology and specifically diabetes, and you're making me work in a trauma, a trauma clinic. But I have to tell you that for me, working in that trauma clinic was, it was instrumental. It, it really changed the way that I think about psychology, and I think that there are a lot of applications to diabetes that I learned and that I use still today. For some people, diabetes is traumatic, and certainly their diagnosis and other events in their lives with diabetes like you know severe lows or complications, those things are traumatic. But even people who haven't had, had traumatic experiences with diabetes, what I learned in doing trauma therapy, PTSD work, was, is really helpful. You know, things like pushing people to do things that scare them. You know, we think about psychologists as being people who are nice and kind, and I hope that we are. But at the same time, the thing that keeps us stuck in our symptoms and our fear is avoidance, is not doing things. And so pushing people to do things that are, that are scary for them, um, helping, helping people to see that sometimes negative experiences are going to happen and nothing that we can do about it. But, and it's not a matter of avoiding the negative experience. It's a matter of learning to deal with that when it comes and accepting it. And there's a lot of really great applications for diabetes in that way of thinking. It was the best clinical training I could get, and I think that it prepared me in the best possible way to be a diabetes therapist. So fast forward a couple of years, I was finally ready to start working in the field that I was that I love, and that's diabetes. I open a private practice where I see people with diabetes. Almost everybody I see has type 1 diabetes. I do see a couple people with type 2 diabetes, but my work is really focused on type 1. I see patients for a couple different reasons. The first reason is people who are having an adjustment to type 1 diabetes. And, and that could mean people who are recently diagnosed. So I see a lot of patients who in their 20s and 30s were diagnosed with diabetes. And now all of a sudden, they're trying to figure out what life looks like for them now that they have diabetes. It's a big transition, especially for people who had a life before diabetes or, or remember their life before diabetes. There's a mourning process and an acceptance process that they have to go through that's, that's challenging. I see people who are thinking about getting new tools for managing diabetes. So people who are thinking about getting an insulin pump or getting a CGM. 
and they're having their having trouble wrapping their mind around what that means for them. You know, what's going to be like to have people have a device on their body reminding them that they have diabetes every day. How are they going to respond when people ask them about their their pump or their CGM and what it is? And helping them to adjust to those things. Also, I see people who are who have been recently diagnosed with complications and having to, you know, figuring out how to deal with that from an emotional point of view. Because that's that's a, a difficult transition, a difficult adjustment for people. So I see people in times of adjustment. I also see people who have who are having a difficulty dealing with diabetes. So people who have diabetes burnout or diabetes distress. And they're just trying to figure out, you know, how do I live a full life and how do I be flexible in my life, even though diabetes is, is there and it's causing me some really negative emotions. I'm feeling overwhelmed or frustrated. And I'm feeling down about diabetes. I just want to put it aside and avoid it. But we also know the downsides to that and the, the negative consequences of, of doing that. I also see people who have anxiety about diabetes. So I see a lot of patients who have a fear of hypoglycemia. They're scared of low blood sugars. And so they do things to avoid low blood sugars. So they keep their blood sugars high. Some people will avoid activities if they're worried about their blood sugar going low while they're doing. So things like driving or hiking or biking. As you can see, when, when you avoid doing something because you're scared of a low or scared of anything with, related to, to diabetes, that gets in the way of your life and that can cause challenges for folks. And then I, I also see people who have mental health conditions like depression and anxiety that are not related to diabetes. However, because they have diabetes, those things make diabetes management more challenging. People who are feeling depressed and they're having trouble managing their diabetes. Um, we work on their depression, certainly with the goal of improving their quality of life, but also with that goal of making their diabetes management easier for them and, and better. Because we know that people who have chronically high blood sugars, those mimic symptoms of, symptoms of depression. If we're able to treat people's diabetes and get them to a place where they're managing well, generally speaking, their depression gets a little easier to manage and it loosens them up and gives them more flexibility in their life. But the common theme throughout everybody that I see in my practice is that they have diabetes. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the important thing for me is that we're able to serve that population. But I also have a theory, and it's probably something I'll talk about a lot on this podcast. But my theory is that if we have 100 people with type 1 diabetes, there may be two, maybe three of them who need to see me as a therapist because they're, they're having trouble that they just can't get out of. They're struggling and they really need one-on-one -on -one therapy. But my theory is that the majority of the other folks of so the 97, 98 other people there, they need something. They, they, need, they, they need support. They need information. They need tools, but they don't need therapy. And so my other mission is, including the mission of this podcast, is to give people with type 1 diabetes what they need. I want, to, I want you to hear people's stories um, because I think hearing people's stories gives you support. I want to, uh, uh, you know, it makes you feel more normal. I want to give you tools. I want to help you to find some strategies that will work for you in terms of making diabetes easier and in, in terms of dealing with the stress of diabetes in a more effective way. And so my blog and my podcast and my website all have resources that you can use when you may not need therapy, but you need something. I want to be that resource I can offer you that something.
I want to talk a little bit about my approach to diabetes and mental health because I think that it may be a little bit different from other people's approaches. Not that any anyone's are right or wrong, but coming from my background as a trauma therapist, I have a different perspective on how to approach diabetes and mental health. You know, my initial instinct when someone comes to see me or when when I'm writing a blog post is, okay, you have a problem. I want to give you all of the tips and tricks and strategies that I know about how to fix that problem. Okay, you're feeling burnt out, take a break. You're feeling anxious, go take a bath. Go read a book, do, go do some self-care. And those are all fantastic things to do. I want to encourage everyone to use the tips and tricks that work for them. However, what I found is that those types of things generally don't work in the long term or they don't work for sustained help with diabetes and mental health. So certainly there, there are quick fixes that are super helpful in the moment. And I would, and I want you to continue doing those things. But my goal here is to help you to get unstuck from the mental burden of diabetes. And because the mental burden of diabetes can keep you stuck. It keeps you stuck in not feeling well emotionally. More importantly, it keeps you stuck in your behavior. As I said before, my goal is to make your world as flexible as possible. I want you to be able to do whatever you want to do, even if diabetes is there, and even if diabetes is causing you stress. What would happen if you were able to feel stressed of diabetes, which is going to happen, by the way, but you're also able to do whatever you want to do, and that stress doesn't limit your behavior. My approach is helping you to live the life that you want, even if that means the stress of diabetes is going to be along for the ride. It's a matter of flexibility. If we can get rid of your diabetes burnout, if we can decrease your anxiety, that's phenomenal. And, I, and I, I'm confident that we can do that. But we have to also think about what happens if those things are always going to be there. Guess what? With type 1 diabetes, those things are always going to be there. There's always going to be challenges that you're going to be having. And so learning how to deal with those challenges and not get rid of them and not make them go away, but deal with them and not have them impact your life is really the way that I approach diabetes and mental health. On that note, I want to talk about my diabetes because I get lots of questions from people I work with about my diabetes. They see, they, they see that I'm a psychologist and a diabetes educator, and they think that my diabetes must be in absolutely perfect control. And I want to assure you that by no means is my diabetes perfect. I forget to bolus sometimes. I don't bolus right. My blood sugar goes high. I get frustrated. I feel burnt out. I want to assure you that like I'm I am no different in my diabetes than any of you are. I think that that gives me some credibility here, but I, I don't want anyone seeing me as on a pedestal. Certainly, you know, I, I work hard to manage my diabetes. I have found, found things that work for me to make sure my blood sugars are in range most of the time. But at the same time, I deal with a lot of the same emotional stress. You know, I can tell you stories, and maybe I will on a future podcast about some really scary low blood sugars that I've had and how those have impacted my relationships and how those have, have impacted my family. Luckily, everything's okay, but I've gone through, through all this as well. And I want to let you know that we're in this together, that this is not something that I'm saying, oh, yeah, I'm there. I finished, I finished the work that I have to do with my emotional health and diabetes and, that I, and now I'm here to preach to you. Not at all. We're in this together. And I want to assure you that 
in my diabetes management, I use my own tools. I, I use all of the tools that I teach people in my work, in my own life. I don't always use them perfectly. And I don't always use them all the time, but I, I, I believe in them enough that, that I use them and I know how effective that they can be. People ask me, what do I use to manage diabetes? And, I, and most of the time, I use an insulin pump and a CGM. I use the, the T-Slim with Control IQ and Dexcom. But I also am flexible. There are times when I'll take a week off my pump and my CGM, less often my CGM, more often my pump, and go on MDI. I've used almost every insulin pump on the market, and I have found what works best for me. I've been using a pump almost nonstop since 2000, so over 20 years now, and so I'm very used to it. But I also understand people who, who for whatever reason, a pump doesn't work for them. I want to let you know that, you know, my perspective on this is that I really don't care what you use to manage your diabetes. I, I, what I care about is that whatever you're using is not going to get in the way of your life. That's going to make you as flexible in your behavior as possible. And that it works for you to manage your diabetes well. Um, and if that's MDI for you, that's great. If that's a, any, any of the insulin pumps on the market, that's great. If that's any of the CGMs on the market, that's great too. Just because I use something doesn't mean that I'm going to tell you that you have to either. It's also important to me that that everyone with type 1 is doing what they can to manage their diabetes well, recognizing that your mental health matters as well. And so we can't have a, a situation where it's all or nothing. I think we get in this mindset, if, if I'm going to be perfect, whatever that means, with my diabetes management, that I have to give up my life and, and give up fun. And if I'm going to get, if, I, if I'm going to have fun in my life and I'm going to do what I want to do, diabetes management has to go on the wayside. And certainly neither one of those things is true. But at the same time, there may be times in your life or times, you know, during the week where diabetes management is less important to you because, you know, you really want to have that pizza or you really want to have that bowl of ice cream and, and boluspring is challenging and your blood sugar may go high. My perspective on that is that's okay. Your quality of life is just as important as your diabetes management, but there's a balance there. And we want to make sure that we're helping you keep that balance in a way that's going to work for you and, and your needs. Finally, I want to tell you a little bit about myself just personally, because you're going to hopefully will be listening to me on a regular basis and you want to know who I am. So I live in San Diego. I grew up in San Diego, actually. I moved away for a long time, and I moved back to San Diego about 10 or 11 years ago now. So I've been here a while. I am married to my beautiful wife, Gail. Uh, we've been, mar been married for uh, nine and a half years now. We'll be celebrating our 10-year ten wedding anniversary in May of 2021. And we have a 22-month-old daughter. Uh, her name is Hannah who uh, is so much fun and has given me a whole new perspective on diabetes management, as well as managing diabetes as a, as a parent, which is something that I have heard a lot about, but um, have never experienced until until recently. I love being outside. I love the ocean. I love cooking. I love being active. So I try to spend as much time as I can at the beach. I'm trying to pick up surfing. It's working out okay. I enjoy running. I enjoy um, playing tennis all kinds of things like that. And also one little known fact about me is I am a collector of bourbon. I love whiskey. And so I have a, a bourbon collection that I'm always happy to talk about to anybody. It's a hobby that I've developed and that I have a lot of fun with. So a little non-diabetes information about me. 
So I really hope that this was helpful for you in getting to, getting to know me and getting to know my perspective on diabetes and mental health and treatment a little bit more. I, I want to let you know that this podcast is a partnership and it's important for me to get to know you. And I would love to hear from you guys, whether it's sending me a direct message on Instagram or an email, um, let me know, you know, about yourself, you know, what you want to get out of this podcast, and how I can help you, as well as, you know, if you have any questions for me, p- feel free to ask me. Um, I, want, I want you to know me both as a person with diabetes, as well as as a professional who helps people with diabetes. As I continue with this podcast, I want to try mixing up the formats a little bit. We're going to continue to have interviews with people who have dealt with some of the common psychosocial challenges of diabetes and learn about how they've overcome them. I'm also going to be doing some episodes where I'm talking to you and giving you some information and strategies that you can use to deal with the emotional burden of diabetes. But I also want to hear from you, and I'd love to have some episodes where we do some coaching, where someone comes on the episode with me who's struggling with a very specific issue around diabetes, and we talk for 30, 45 minutes with that person about that issue and help them to come to some sort of resolution with it. So if that's something that's interesting to you and you want to be on the podcast, please be in touch. I want to try that format out and see how it works and see if it's valuable for the person who's my guest on the podcast and see if it's interesting and valuable for people listening. And on that note, I always love hearing from my listeners, whether you want to be a guest on the podcast and get some coaching or whether you just want to send me a note and say hi, I would love to hear from you. To get in touch, go to my website, thediabetespsychologist.com, or you can send me an email at mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. You can also send me a DM on Instagram, at thediabetespsychologist. That does it for today's episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. If you like what you heard and this was valuable, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating and post a review for me on iTunes. That helps me to get the word out about this podcast so it can help as many people as possible. And be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.